The uh, second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence is very familiar, but it starts off like this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it continues on, therefore to secure these, these rights that, are, that the, the signers of the Declaration wanted to lay down and say, we, we believe in these. This is what we're, we're going to build upon. January 22nd, 1973, the United States Supreme Court removed those rights for a particular portion of the U.S. population, and that was the unborn. Roe versus Wade began a, a horrible chapter in the history of our nation. Now, every year since 1973, the Sunday closest to January 22nd has been set aside and designated as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so this morning, I want to honor that and we're going to be speaking on that. And let me just begin by saying, I, 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 I really hear my heart. Abortion affects every one of us. Every one of us. And let me just share with you that we're all guilty. We're all guilty of devaluing the sacredness of life that God gives. Whether it be the life of an unborn child in a mother's womb, whether it be uh, the life of an older adult that, uh, that look, some look at and say, well, well, why are they even here? Whether it simply be because we are not taking advantage of the life that he's given us now to live it for him. Whether we're using that gift of life and we're using it to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do, and anybody be hanged that tries to tell us how to do it. We're all guilty. It would be September the 11th of 2001 when terrorists attacked New York City and, and then uh, the Pentagon and then uh, other plane went down. But in that attack on the Twin Towers in New York City, over 3,000 um, uh, 3, individuals lost their lives in a, in a horrible attack. And it got the attention of our nation, and it should have. And we remember today, we remember those men and women who gave their lives and lost their lives in that completely unsuspected attack. But I want you to not forget and we can't afford to forget. As individuals, as followers of Christ, or as, as, as Americans, we cannot forget that every single day, over 4,000 babies in this country lose their lives to abortion. Every day. In 2018, I asked Jackie, I said, Jackie, can you, can you, I said, that's so staggering. 
Can, can, you, can you find out worldwide what the estimate is? The most agreed upon estimate and for 2018, last year, that 42 million babies were murdered in the mother's womb. And we want to we wanna not talk about it because it's not pleasant. We won't want to think about it because it's uncomfortable. But God help us in our uncomfortableness to stand and to rise and to be equipped and to know as the body of Christ to be engaged in this horrendous battle for life. One of the things that came out of that decision was some mobilization of Christians in different ways. And one of those was surely the rising up of crisis pregnancy centers around the country. And uh, we were, were a part of that. A lot of you were a part of that. And it's an it's a honor for me uh, to ask, to share with us this morning, one of our, one of our church members, that, that the Holy Spirit of God laid on her heart a few years ago after she and her husband moved here to retire. <laughs> what is That's highly overrated anyway, Lou. I just want you to know that. Highly overrated. But uh, God laid on Kathy's heart, and she became the founder of Georgia Mountain Pregnancy Centers. Kathy, come and share with us some this morning. I, let's welcome her. Pastor, you're, you're taking another big chance here. He keeps leaving his notes behind. A couple of years ago, I walked off with him. But he's forgiven me because I gave him back. So this month is the 46th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And Pastor talked about the, the numbers, which are staggering, of the numbers of babies that have been lost since 1973. I think 60 million babies here in the U.S. And we live in a world that denies that God is sovereign over all. Science says that the moment of conception, a brand new human being has been created. And God says in Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So every one of these babies, he knew by name including those, that I was staggered by that 2018 statistic, 42 million babies in 2018 worldwide. It's hard to even imagine that we live in this kind of a time. So when we moved here four years ago, my, my first thought was, we're in the Bible Belt. It can't be a problem here. And I started looking around on the internet to see what was going on here in the state of Georgia. And um, I was shocked with what I found. I found that Georgia is number seven out of 50 states for the numbers of abortions that have been committed. Over 27,000 abortions were done in Georgia in 2017. That's 75 babies a day just in our state. And in 2016, I asked a, a computer analyst friend to, to see what the statistics were like for, you know, just this immediate area. It's like, okay, well, you know, Georgia, that's not us. That's not us here in the mountains. Um, to take a look at uh, the number of internet searches 
that included the words, things like, where can I get an abortion near me? You know, Where's there an abortion clinic? Those kinds of phrases. And when he did that, he did a whole year's worth. He found that the average monthly internet search, that's not just for Union, but the, the counties around us as well, the monthly internet search was 975 internet searches a month wow. for that information. So that investigation began a journey that was, like Pastor said, it wasn't part of my plan. Um, I thought I'd retired from pregnancy help, but God had other, other plans. So in 2016, I, re I did, I received a strong call because he would not let me sleep all night to start up a medical crisis pregnancy center. So we're different. I love women's enrichment. We work together. Um, but we do medical work. We have a medical director, a nurse who does all our sonograms. So after a year of preparation and prayer, Georgia Mountain Pregnancy Center was birthed. And we opened our doors to patients in March of 2017. We exist to educate, encourage, and equip young women who are considering an abortion to make a choice for life. So we provide a, a free um, medical-grade pregnancy test, a free OB sonogram, and they get medically accurate pre-abortion information. We tell them the truth. And in the middle of all that, we pray. We pray before they come. We pray while we're there. Uh, in 2018, we ministered to over 200 young women, most of whom were not married, were in an unplanned pregnancy. And 14 of those women flat out said, I just want an abortion. And that's what I have to have. I need an abortion. That's what I, that's what, that's, don't try to talk me out of it. That's what I want to do. After counseling and having the sonogram, and seeing their baby, 11 of those 14 young ladies chose life for their baby. Yeah. Now, one thing that I found here in the Bible Belt is that the majority of those 200 women say, I'm a Christian. Our, our medical intake includes, what is your spiritual status? And most will say, I'm a Christian. Sure. So I have an opportunity to say, well, tell me about that. What is your relationship with Jesus like? And most of them, they just know about God. They know about Jesus, but they have no relationship. So we have an opportunity to let them know that God the Father loves them, loves their little one, has a plan for their life, and they can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. We're available by phone 24-7. And just a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a phone call from a young lady. And they don't call 9 to 5 open hours. They call weird hours. So it was fairly late in the day. And she wanted to know, well, how late can I get an abortion? And I wasn't sure she was talking about, like, late in the day or what. But she wanted to know how far along. So I asked her how, you know, so about how far along are you? And she said, 24 weeks. Now her, let me show you. I gotta show you something.
know how well you can see. This is 22-week size of a baby in the womb. That's 22 weeks. In Georgia, four years ago, they were doing abortions to 24 weeks. So praise God, that got decreased to 20 weeks. And I'm praying for the day that it won't be legal. But it's not whether... You know, it's not about Roe v. Wade, and it's not about whether or not it's legal. This is a problem with the heart. This is a heart problem. Because it's not just the girls. Who could do this to a baby? What doctor could do this? You know, could do that? Just, I, I just, I, it's unimaginable. So she said she's 24 weeks old, and, and nowadays, you know, my phone still says I'm from Florida. So her said when I got her call, it said Alabama. So I said, where are you calling from? She says, Alabama, I'm trying to find a place. I can get an abortion. And so I explained, you know, it's, it's here in Georgia. It's not legal. You can't get one after 20 weeks here. I said, but you've only got three months. Call someone at a pregnancy help center near you, and they will walk through the next three months with you. They will walk through an adoption with you. They will walk through parenting with you. You don't have to do this alone. And she said thank you and hung up. And I'm still praying for her. In our ministry, we're not just about save the baby. We really care about every one of these young women. So we want them to know that they are loved. We're not here to judge them. Many of them don't always tell us what their real intentions are, so we don't always know. The number could be more than the ones that are flat out saying, this is what I want. But all of them, we let them know that no matter what they choose, that we are going to love them. They can come back and talk to us anytime. We have post-abortion support group counseling. And this is available no matter how long ago the abortion was. And we know that there are millions of women and millions of men who are grieving a past abortion. And it's not the unforgivable sin. You know, we, we get forgiveness at the cross. And you can take it there and you just leave it. But counseling and going through it with a group is very healing. We also, we started up a prevention program as well. Like I said, we've got 200 unmarried girls that are thinking, you know, they're making bad choices, which gets them in our door. So we have been putting together a prevention program. So that's something that we're trying to get into the schools as well. I would love to see the numbers go down. This March will be our second anniversary. We are still in our infancy as a ministry. Our only funding comes from a couple of churches and the generosity of a few supporters. So we are preparing for our first major fundraiser in March. If you're interested in joining us, just let me know. I'm going to be in the foyer after. Also, uh, Tuesday is the Walk for Life here in Georgia and Atlanta. I don't know if anybody got to watch the big Walk for Life in D.C., but we have a pretty good group that meets in Atlanta and stopping traffic. And we have a walk around Atlanta. 
Uh, if anybody would like to join us in that, please let me know. Uh, I think the number's in, in the um, bulletin. Our speaker at the, um, at the gala is, is really an interesting man. Um, he connects, the, this is a holocaust that we are in with what's happening to babies, but he is the product of a mom and a dad who were both in a concentration camp. And so he is a born-again Jew and a very interesting man with an amazing story. So, um, so, this is, so our gala is also for men. This is not just a girls-only thing. So husbands, come. And um, I hope that you all can join us. And I will be in the back after church. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. <laughs> Last year in the United States, there were 2 million applications for adoption that had to go unfilled. 2 million. I want to quickly just talk about three things as we remember uh, those lives that have been lost, those lives that have been affected because of that. And let me just say, again, I say this very sensitively because... There, there are many in, in our church who have had abortions, who have been a part of that. There has been those in our church that were abortion providers and have talked to me. And, and I have seen grace, and they were experiencing grace, that you no longer have to live under guilt. The same way those of us that, that have, are living under the guilt of not valuing the sacredness of life that God has trusted us with, that you don't have to live under guilt because just as abortion affects all of us, God's grace and his forgiveness is available to all of us. And the message this morning, as much as a message of just awareness and a message of how do we stay engaged and how can we, what, where can we be most effective, is also a message for all of us. It's a, it's a message of hope and forgiveness and freedom. Freedom from those uh, sins, mistakes, whatever, they, whatever you want to call those that we can walk in freedom. I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about how did we get here? How did we get to this place as, a, as individuals, as a nation, and as Christians? And then I want to talk about what God's Word says about it, and then I want to talk about what we can do about it. So quickly, let me just talk about how we got here. It was 1972 when I began as a counselor of Union County Middle School and Elementary School. And I remember uh, in 72, the debate uh, before the, our, the Roe versus Wade decision of 73, at that time, uh, uh, abortion was, was a hot topic. Child abuse was a hot topic. And so there was a, there was a, a gathering of, of all the counselors across the state. And in this particular meeting that I was in was in Gainesville, Georgia. And, and at that time, one of the, uh, again, one of the concerns was in 1971, there had been around 60,000 reported child abuse cases in the United States. And, uh, and, and that's horrible. And the abuse is horrible. My dad always said that a man that hurt a kid ain't, or, uh, well, I'll just not tell you what, dad had strong feelings, Phil, <laughs> about any man or any person that would hurt a child, okay? But, but at the conference, they were saying, when we come to the day in this country so that every child that is birthed is a wanted child, then we will eliminate child abuse practically. There may be the rare case. 
And so there was a strong, and I remember being at that meeting and, and, and a panel, and, and the whole panel was saying, oh yeah, we've got, we've got data, we've got statistics, so let's just be sure that every, every pregnancy that's carried to term, that they want to do that. And when we do that, we're going to make a difference. That We may lose a few lives to abortion, but the, the, the benefits are going to be great. Let me just tell you, that was in 1972. Last year, in the United States alone, there were 3 million reported cases of child abuse. 3 million. When you devalue life, any life, when you devalue the sacredness of life, it's sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind. We got there by these arguments. We were told that, that uh, and one of the things that you still hear today when, you talk, when they talk about this, and it's my prayer, it's my prayer that in, in my lifetime, if the Lord tarries long, I'm, I'm like John, come Lord Jesus. But if he tarries long, it's my prayer that we will see the day when the U.S. Supreme Court reverses that Roe versus Wade decision and gets it right. I pray for that. We were told when we're asking, you still hear this today, but what about those cases of rape and incest? You don't want to, to take a, a, a woman that's been victimized already and force her to, to carry this baby that she didn't want. And maybe that baby, baby every time she looks, is going to be a constant reminder of, of the horrible thing that happened to her. And while I understand that difficult situation, hard situation, and been involved with some situations like that. Just give you an example. Last year, and not all states report this, but, but last year in Florida, Florida did 71,740 abortions last year. Those abortions, 0.086% was because of rape or incest. Less than 1%. Over 90% were simply, and this is the ones in Florida, over 90% were done simply because of the convenience of the mom or birth control. Wow. We were told, as Kathy showed us the, this, this baby at 22 weeks, we were told back then that it's not a baby, it's just, it's tissue. It's a It's a blob. We were told all these things to lead us to a place of making bad choices and bad decisions, but I'm convinced that the greatest contributing factor for us to get as a nation to where we got and where we are today is a devaluing of God's word. Because God's word speaks very clearly and very plainly to this issue of, of life, all life. And the sacredness of all life. But we, we begin to, to chip away and debunk and devalue. And we put our hands over our ears when there would be those voices that would dare to stand up and speak boldly or speak clearly about God's word. And we would try to regulate them to radicals. So I want us to look, secondly, at what does God's Word say? And we're basically, I'm just going to share some scripture with you because God's Word really doesn't need a lot of explanation 
for me, it just needs obedience, right? I mean, it's like real Rogers. If somebody asked him about what he thought about those portions of scripture he didn't understand, he said, it's not the ones I don't understand that gives me problems. It's the one that I do. Yeah? So it's just God's word is given us for us to obey. Let's, let, let me just, got just a few verses, and Kathy's referred to some of those. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1, and the prophet would, would write, he said, listen to me. Listen, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he's spoken my name. Jeremiah, I think Kathy referred to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God speaking to the prophet. Before you were formed, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, even before your birth. Psalm 139 is a great, great chapter on, on, on life, and it's about, you were familiar with it. I almost want to pull a, about three verses out of the middle of that chapter. It says, for you created my, the writer of, of, of this says, you created my inmost being. Your eyes saw my unformed body. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me, look at this now, were written in your book, in God's book, before one of them before you were ever born. As Kathy says, as scripture says, even before you were conceived, God had a plan for you. Wow, think about that. And he's, he's got a plan. And it's a good plan. Luke, and I love the, I love the scripture in Luke, and we talk, I talk about it a lot. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's, when, it's when Mary, uh, with, with baby Jesus in her womb, still a virgin, and the angel sends her to her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth now is about six months. That's 20, 24 weeks. So John the Baptist is just about the size of the little baby that, uh, that Kathy showed you. And Mary goes to speak to Elizabeth. And you know what? Interchange. Let's look at it. It says, when Elizabeth heard, Mary, heard, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, Mary, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, John the Baptist, John, the baby in my womb, leaped for joy. He did dados. I remember, I remember when Barbie was, well, I don't remember which one of our, our babies that she was pregnant with, but we would come to church and when the choir would sing an anointing of the Holy Spirit, the baby, Barbie would say, Phil, put your hand over here. He is rejoicing. They're rejoicing. What does God's word say? God's word shares with us. God, the creator there in the garden in Genesis when God the Father, God the Creator says to the Son and to the Spirit, hey, let's create man in our image. Let's do that. And it's been every, ever since then that Satan and, and Satan's minions have tried to mar that image of God in you and in me and men and women. God's Word says, 
Life is sacred. All life is sacred. God knows us. He cares for us. That's how we got here was devaluing that. That's what God's word says about it. I want to finish up this morning by talking about what can we do. Proverbs 31.8 was a verse that the Holy Spirit really spoke to the heart of Randall Terry back in the early, early, early days of, uh, of Roe versus Wade. And he was arrested often uh, because he would, he would stand outside uh, abortion clinics and try to, to share with people truth. Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. These unborn children can't speak for themselves. And it's up to, to, to men and women. Should be, and the men and women of faith should be leading this charge. Now, Barbie's, Barbie told me the other day, she said, we were talking about it, She said, honey, you don't have to be a Christian to be pro-life. There's a lot of people that aren't believers and followers of Christ who are pro-life. And that's true. But, but every follower of Christ shouldn't have to debate this issue because it's clear. We need to speak up. What can we do? We can support prayerfully and financially and by our, by our availability, uh, pro-life clinics, the march. I remember, I've, we've, we remember going to Atlanta with our kids and, and marching down there for years. Uh, Barbie and Paige, and, some of, and many of you have done that. Barbie and Paige were, were privileged and still today, remember, they were able to be at one of the Washington, D.C. rallies. Uh, and you can go. This past week, uh, Vice President, if you haven't seen, Vice President Pence had some great words to share with, with the pro-life rally. And then uh, who was, uh, who's this really sharp? Is it Shapiro? What? Yeah, 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 yes, young guy. He, he spoke, ben, ben Shapiro, he spoke there. Uh, there is a, with the younger generation, there is a strong move to realize that life is sacred, to get behind that. And we can do that by our involvement. We can vote, and we can vote pro-life. Let me, uh, I got uh, from Matt Staver, Liberty Council, a lot of you get this, I got this this, uh, at the end of the week, was thinking about this, and I got this uh, from Liberty Council. It says, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had barely taken hold of the Speaker's gavel, and this is true, the first week of the new Congress, when Democrats launched a full-scale assault on President Trump's pro-life policies. Today, Pelosi is working to funnel at least $137 million in taxpayers' dollars into international abortions groups and to global Abortion rights groups, 137 million of your dollars. First service, Kathy mentioned New York, state of New York. Governor Andrew, is it Cuomo? Uh, listen to this. This Tuesday, the 22nd, the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the New York legislature is scheduled to vote on the Reproductive Health Act. This bill would allow abortions on viable, late-term unborn, unborn babies for any health reason and would keep abortion on demand. This is what Kumo says. Kumo says that I want to be sure if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned in the United States, it will still be legal in our state. To me, what a candidate says about life 
It's far more important than whether they've got a D by their name or an R by their name or an I by their name. And don't be, you know, and don't be gullible. Uh, I, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to hear not only what they're saying right before election cycle, but, but I want to be sure that what they have done the past years, wherever they've been serving, are reflecting that these people are people that, are, that believe in life and a strong life. I don't know if it bothers you. It, it really, I have to pray hard when I, when I watch confirmation hearings of judges or whatever. And when I watch people who, who try to get a, uh, an appointee to tell them, they're, they're on, you're not going to overturn Roe versus Wade, are you ain't going to do that. Why? I, I know it's a, an emotional issue, but it's more than that. Because it's a very attack upon the image of God. It's a spiritual issue. And while we, can, while we can be involved and while we can be involved in volunteers, while we can be involved in voting, and those things are all the things that we do, but as we pray, as we pray, it's that, it's that battles in the heavenlies where the victories are really won, and then we see them with our eyes in the physical. Vote. Help young moms who have decided to carry these babies to term and to birth them. Love them. Love the moms. Offer to help buy them some food. Help with the babies. Those babies are a special gift from God. They are no more a mistake than you or I am a mistake. God has a plan. And lovingly and prayerfully, let me say this to you. Don't you ever, ever think that you're better than a young girl who finds herself pregnant and not married. Because every one of us are one decision away from making a mistake. And, ex- if it, and except for the grace of God, all of us, all of us are in a lot of trouble. And his grace is so good. You know, they call Jesus. We just got through looking at this in Matthew. The religious leaders called him and said, uh, we've got a father. You don't even have a father. Yeah, you're parents were married after, you, after their, your mom was pregnant. You're illegitimate. They would use the B word referring to him. Don't ever be self-righteous. We have one righteous one and that's our Savior. And he's given you and me the privilege of letting him love through us to each one of us. It's one thing I love about and I'm not just singing or praise it. They got to get up and shake hands. Pastor, this morning, these young people, they come in, they're so tired. So we remember shaking hands, it's all sitting there. If you see them do that, they come up hug, here and hug them, you know. They were tired. They were worn out. Just, it's tough being young. <laughs> one of the things that I, one of the things that I, 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 that I see in this, uh, in this teenage 20s, late 20s, maybe 30s, one thing I see is, is I see a lot of love. I see a lot less judging. It can still, I know there's some that still do, 
But I see a lot less judging. I see a lot more loving because you understand that, especially with y'all, guys. Hey, those of us that are a little bit older, we ought to be leading the way. I don't know about you. I've got a list of things that I can tell you that God's grace and his mercy has forgiven me for. Forgiven people need to be forgiving people. And we have a God whose grace is sufficient. Whether we've been those who have neglected the, sanct- the sacredness of life and the living, or whether we've been those that's been affected. And like I said, uh, all of us have, but in more personal ways. You don't, don't have to live under the guilt. Don't let Satan guilt you. If you're here and you've had multiple abortions, listen to me. I've had multiple sins. There, you say, well, I don't want to call them sin. You know, I just, maybe you weren't aware, but maybe you are now. Maybe there was, a, maybe there was conflict a little bit. I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to go there. All I'm going to simply say is God died for you to be free. Living under guilt is what the enemy does. It's what Satan does. It's what Satan does. And he tries to tell you because you've made a mistake or because I did this, or because I did that that, that, that if people knew it, they wouldn't love me, that you have to live under that secrecy. I understand because people can be cruel, but I want to tell you one thing. House of prayer and the family of God, and, we're the, and the family of God is not regulated to the house of prayer, okay? It's not at all. But we are a part. And boy, we ought to be the ones, if anybody, it's the, it's the believers that ought to be the ones that's setting the example of loving and of forgiving and of grace. I want to close with a scripture. What can we do? I love this. I love the scripture because David, think about this. David, this man who, uh, who killed a giant when he was just a young teenager. This man who was a tremendous warrior. This man who, who God honored and became king early. This man who, who wrote the Psalms 23. Had these times killed a lion, killed a bear with his bare hands. This man who, who knew God. This man who had this relationship with God. Then all of a sudden, he's got it made. He's king. He's, man, he's, he can let somebody else go fight those battles. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm here. Got it made. Got more wealth than I can ever spend. Anything my heart desires, I can, make, I can be a good influence. Well, what happens? He makes a bad decision. Commits adultery. Tries to cover it up. Lies. I don't work. Tries to cover it up. Commits murder. Tries to cover it up. And then the son of, of the adulterous relationship. God takes the baby home soon after it's born. Guilt. Guilt. Had a person in our church. Understand. Had a person tell me recently. Jerry, I had the. Uh, I was. I was. Young, I was doing my own thing, and, and I had multiple abortions. And then I got married, and I wanted to have babies. I wanted just one child. I wanted, I needed that. And every time I get pregnant, I miscarried. They didn't tell me this was going to happen. And she said, Jerry, every time it happened, I knew it was God punishing me. I said, oh, honey. God loves you. God loves you. And you can be, a, one of the things that I found is that those who have been affected 
the deepest and the most, oftentimes through this procedure, are some of the ones that are most now are the strongest advocates of life that there can be. David had done all this. And David was living with this guilt. And when David is confronted, when David has to deal with the decisions he's made and all these decisions, then he pins the words of Psalms 32. Look at this. We're just going to go first five verses, then we're, then we're quitting. It's been enough. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who the Lord imputes not iniquity and in whose spirit there's no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Stop there because I've told you this oftentimes, but now as I get older, I can say it more often. You can just say, well, he's old. He done told us that one time. He should remember that. Every time I read this verse, every time I read it, I think about uh, growing up, a lot of dirt roads, and we called them mud holes. You know, I know if, I guess technically they're puddles. I never, I thought a puddle was just a little dog that somebody mispronounced the name of it. Oh, you got a puddle. No, it's a poodle. If somebody said, you've been playing in the mud puddles, I would have known what they're talking about. But mom and dad said, you've been out there in that mud hole barefoot again, hadn't you? Well, in the summer growing up, mud holes, it'd come in big rain, and the mud holes would fill up with water. And then when the summer sun came back out, and it would dry up that mud hole, and it dried up quickly. The, in the bottom of the mud hole, I've seen where the, where the mud would actually crack. And I've seen it cup up. You ever seen that? Have y'all seen that? If you're mud hole watchers, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> This is the picture that comes to my mind. Look what David said. David said, life, my life was like that. Because of, because of, of what I'd done and because of me trying to hide my, what, those bad decisions and hide my sin, I felt like that dried up mud hole. And my life was just cupping and caking. Man, I was dried out. Look what happened. He said, then... I acknowledge my sin to you, God, and my iniquity have I not hid. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look what happened. What did he say? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's forgiveness. That's freedom. That's grace. We're going to take couple of minutes of just praying silently for our country and for us. Uh, one thing that just, Daniel is kind of one of my heroes. Daniel was this young man, teenager, early 20s, captured, taken to a foreign country, put under pressure. He loved God, wouldn't compromise God kept honoring him, kept honoring him, kept honoring him. And read over there in one place where God's people had just, had, they, had, they hadn't obeyed God and, and they had rebelled. And, but Daniel had, but when Daniel is praying for his people, he identifies with them. He doesn't say, okay, Lord, you know, look at all them, do all this. Daniel said, God, we've, we've sinned. And I thought, wow, wow. We've failed Jerry Helton, 
has failed to realize the sacredness of life that is a gift from God. Don't waste it. Don't waste yours. God, as a, as a nation and as a people, we've sinned greatly against you. We've sinned in the area of devaluing the sacredness of life, all life. Of listening to the compromise and sometimes even being swayed that maybe the compromise has a point and we just need to be quiet. And so, Father, as the Holocaust has continued, we've got used to blotting out the cries of the unborn. We've got comfortable in just knowing that somebody someday can do things about it, but maybe we don't, we don't know how we can be involved. And so we've got comfortable when there's a, a, a rally or when there's a march or when there's even placards to hold up at the traffic light in Blairsville. We always know that there'll be others that do that and we bless them, but we just don't have time to be involved. When there's those around that need loving and need caring for and need helping and need assistance, it's, it's that we've got, we've got comfortable in knowing that, well, there's, there's people in the church. Somebody else would do that. We just, we couldn't. Our home is not good enough. It, we, we, we just couldn't. We don't do that. God, forgive us. And God, forgive us for not letting you love through us to these hurting young moms and dads like you want to. God, if we don't love them, who's going to love them? Thank you for grace. Thank you for loving us. Now, Lord, may your love that you loved us with motivate us as followers of Christ to let you love through us. In your name I pray. Pastor.